I'm Brock Edwards. Welcome to Imperfect Action. And this feels really appropriate right now. Just a little bit of fun because we're about to meet Jeff Harry. Jeff, introduce yourself. Hi. Oh, I love that. I love that uh, jingle. That was awesome. Um, hi, I'm Jeff Harry. Um, I'm the founder of Rediscover Your Play, where we help people rediscover who they are through play. Uh, and I also uh, work for Playwell Technologies, where we get people to play using Lego. How hard is that? I mean, you, you made me pause there because, like, how hard is it to get people to play with Lego? Aren't, don't they just uh, really? automatically run hard. for it? It's amazing. Uh, at, at first, um, especially when you're doing a team building event, people are kind of stiff. But then as soon as one person gives permission and starts playing, like people just go right back to when they were kids. So it's interesting with any of the any of the workshops that I run, how quickly people want to play or adults want to like tap back into like, you know, who they are as, you know, their inner child. But I think a lot of times they feel they need permission first. So a lot of people listening to this are, you know, entrepreneurs or people with a side hustle or people maybe even rethinking their career. Mm. And so just tell us right up front here, why does play matter when we think about our jobs, our career, our businesses? I think just play matters. It's as important as breathing uh, to me because that's how you learned as a kid. And that is also how you can adapt as an entrepreneur if you think about it. If you actually like think about where you're at now and you go back five years ago, like the way you got there, you never probably would have been able to plan that out. And it's interesting how we, we always are trying to plan every little detail, um, but it's that play-oriented like adaptability that makes for the best businesses and the best entrepreneurs because they can just roll with whatever happens you know especially when you're first starting out you get rejected so much and if you're not treating it like play then you could actually like internalize a lot of that rejection but if you just roll with it you're like well this is just part of the fun you know and then you just see where it goes um so i think embracing that play oriented mentality is is vital for your success so what does that look like? I mean, like, I, I have so many questions here. So when people come to you, I, I have a hard time imagining them saying, you know what, Jeff, I just really want my team to play more. I, mean, I assume they're coming to you with a different problem that you're solving through yeah. play. What, what problems are they coming to, for you to help solve? I mean, there's a vast variety of like, we're having uh, communication issues, we're having morale issues. Uh, the way in which we started our company, the culture doesn't really match it anymore. We don't know why. Um, and I think a lot of times that's when you have to go back. That's why I, re I refer to it as rediscovering your play is that you have to go back. So what, what was fun with the business to begin with? You know, especially for entrepreneurs that are struggling. It's just like, you know, it's just, well, why did you start it in the first place? Like, what was the, like, this is, you're supposed to enjoy the journey as much as like the result, right? So what is it that taps you into that? So if I was talking to a business and we're trying to tap back into the culture, well, why did you start the business in the first place? Are the people that are part of this business representing the that type of the culture, representing that type of of that world, that play aspect that that 
encompasses your organization. And if they, they're not, then, you know, either help them to get there or they might not be the right people for your organization. So that's the part of just like reminding people of their why, why do, why are they there? I mean, I used to do this a lot in campaign work and the people that understood their why the most volunteered and worked the most and created the best um, results because they knew their reason as to why. And that why connected with the company's why. As I'm thinking through this here, and I found this to be kind of a trend with several guests here, that they somehow end up in a job that if the 17-year-old version of themselves told their career counselor, you know, here's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, that's exactly what would have happened. So how did you, how did you end up focused on helping people be better through play? Uh, I probably ended up the same way. A lot of people were, I was at those jobs. I mean, I giggle because I I've been at that job. I, I remember when, um, I don't even know how old I was, maybe like 23, 24 years old or something like that. And like Kaiser Permanente offered me a full-time salary and they were going to pay me like $37,500 to like sell my soul, you know, like, and, and at the time I didn't realize that was it. I was just like, well, I'm just going to take this admin job and I'll have great benefits and then I can work my way up. And, um, and it just was soul sucking, you know, I was, I had to leave within like a month, you know, in a very dramatic fashion. Um, because it just, it just didn't, it didn't serve me. And then when I left that, then I, you know, I recommitted to being like the next job I take, I want to play for a living. Um, and that's how I found, uh, the, my first organization, uh, on Craigslist, it was just an organization called Playwell that was just teaching kids engineering with Lego. Um, and there were seven people there and it was a part-time job and they paid me 15 hours a week at 20 bucks an hour. And I just played with Lego and taught kids. And then at some point I was like, I could do this like as a career, I could grow this thing. And I asked my boss, I was like, Hey, can I, can I like do more? And he's like, I'll give you five hours. So he basically was giving me like a hundred bucks to like work and find more programs. And I, because I loved it so much, I like committed to doing it for like 50 hours a week and not getting paid for that time. And what was that? 2004 when I helped it. And that was seven part-time staff. And now we have 350 going on 400 staff in like 28 states. We teach like a hundred thousand kids a year. Like if you had told me back then that's where we would be at and that I would be working with like fortune 500 companies and getting adults to play at Facebook and Google and all this, I would have never known. But like when I figured out what I really wanted and then committed to finding it, um, and then when I found it, I like went all in. Um, yeah, that's that's how it played out. And at no time did I have a plan of where it was going to go next. It was just we were just playing. So I literally, the way we literally expanded to all these states was we would just pick states that we thought were fun. Like no business plan, not no like rationale. It was just like Austin's fun. Let's go. New York's fun. I don't know about Idaho. You know, like, and that's just kind of how it grew. And we found people that 
fit our culture and we're just also people that were fed up of just doing, you know, jobs that they were like, eh, or hated and wanted to play for a living. So that's what we did. So that that's amazing. So one of the things I always like talking about is, you know, the, kind of the, the real life struggle to it, but you, you hit on a great point there that, you know, success is, we're taught that it's a straight line. You know, you go to college and then you get the yeah. job and work your way up, you know, and if you charted it, it's just a straight line going up. And yeah, I've like met nobody who's ever experienced that. And in fact, some of the, some of the people who are in the best spots in their life, it, you know, it looks more like you threw spaghetti against the wall. You know, it's not a straight line at all. Yeah. It's all curvy yeah. up and down. And and yet we try. I, we try to plan. We we try to do what we can to bring, I don't know if it's a sense of control or set ourselves up for success or, or what it is. Um, how do you balance that, I, you know, just that that piece of, well, I can't just be totally willy nilly. You know, I, I do have to develop skills. I've got to right. you know, find my interest. I've got to. I've got to have a right. path, and yet still being open to. Thirty days in, it may make a hard left turn and be nothing like what I thought it was going to be. Right. So the question is, how do you balance between chaos what? and rigid order? <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I guess what I'm getting at is kind of that decision making around, no, I've got to stick to the plan or I'm open to whatever's coming my way. Because you said you expanded with, you know, what state sounded fun, which is a great expansion yeah. plan. You know, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm going to stop talking and let you answer whatever question you think yeah. I just asked. Cause I asked a lot. I, yeah. I think that my understanding of the question is, yeah. How do you balance between the chaos and the control? Right. And I think it's, you know, people are never happy with this answer, but it's like, it depends on you. Right. It's like, well, what, what is your comfortability level? Like, who are you? Like, how do you make your decisions? Like, and I think this kind of ties in with the whole success part is you know, my, my understanding for myself was like, if it wasn't fun, don't do it. And that was just like my motto for me, because that's like where I'm at. And I think that is like a crucial question you have to figure out for yourself of like, where do your values lie? And where, you know, where, how comfortable are you in the chaos, you know, the controlled chaos and how comfortable you are you in the control? Part. And I think the aspect of like success, and this kind of ties in what we were talking about earlier, is what does success look like for you? Right? Like it's fascinating. It just blows my mind that people see life as this race and that you're competing against other people. When like everyone has a totally different interpretation of like what success is, what they want in life, what's winning. So like when people are like top 40 people, you know, that are under 30 that have accomplished this, it's just like, what are, what are you talking about? Like, like it, you have to really be clear about like what you want and what will bring you fulfillment and happiness um, and identify that and then go all in on that. And that's, that's just how it's worked for me. 
Um, and that's a part that I think a lot of people don't want to address. They don't want to, they'd rather be like, well, I'll just take this logical job because it's just, it's the pragmatic approach. It makes sense. It pays the benefits and the bills and things like that. And you could do that. Um, and if you're happy doing that, then more power to you. But if you're not satisfied, then really spending the time to like really figure out what you want. I don't think we spend enough time figuring out really what we want and like what actual success and fulfillment looks like. So because that's scary to figure that out. Instead, we strive to reach successes that we think others have made them happy. And then we're all we're constantly disappointed. So I think that's a part that you really have to figure out for yourself. It is easier to pick your definition of success from, you know, the the socially acceptable list of half dozen or dozen or whatever it is, you know, look down the menu. This is the one I want. Let's go with it. How do you break away from that? Or what advice would you give to someone, you know, who is maybe early in life or at a stage where they're rethinking life? Like, how do you approach? What's kind of the practical steps to know this is what success means for me? Yeah, one, well, there's, there's two parts of it, right? It's just like, do you get happiness after you get success or do you, are you happy before success, right? So there's that first, like, you know, what brings, what brings you fulfillment and happiness? Really like figuring out what that approach is. My suggestion, because I'm about like rediscovering play, right, is, um, it's interesting this uh, this play professor named Peter Gray talked about how when you look at what people were doing when they were 10 years old, in, in many cases it either correlates to what they're doing now or correlates to what they would be wanting to do. So if you think about what you love to do at 10 um, and see what was it about that that made you so excited – and then see where that is popping up in your life. That's a good place to start to figure it out. If you're like revisiting, like, what am I going to do next? Or this is not providing me fulfillment, but I need to figure out what's next. Go back to your inner child because you already know the answer. You just got to spend enough time like playing with it and meditating about it and figuring it out, you know, to get there. And there's a lot of different ways to get there. So you mentioned, talk about seeing life as a race, you know, kind of the ridiculousness of we're all running for different finish lines and yet we're all judging our progress based on, you know, wherever we perceive the person next to us as being, regardless of where their finish right. line is. Right. So one of, the, one of the things that you had mentioned just in, in an email as we were setting up the, this um, conversation is rather than seeing life as a race, but as a, a dance to experience. And I, I love that phrase that it's a dance to experience. Can you say more to that? Yeah, I think, I mean, people, people are so results driven, right? And um, I was talking to a friend of mine and, you know, she surfs. And if you think about surfing as as a good analogy, as dance is also a really great analogy, but surfing is like, you, you spend so much time like putting in the work to get out there. And then you got to find that perfect wave to like ride down and you have to be patient and you have to be present and you have to be like one with the water. Um, but it's all about like the process and the enjoyment of it. There's like no winning in surfing. There's no winning in dancing. It's just like, you're just there being fully present in the moment. 
And like, in my opinion, that's life right there. That's the best parts of life. If you think about your best memories, they're not when you're taking a photo of something. They're probably not posted on Instagram. They're just when you're like fully present. So how do you spend time getting to that space? And and I, I reference something um, because a lot of times people are like, yeah, you got to focus on pain points, especially for entrepreneurs. You got to focus on people's pain points. That's how you get business. You get to focus on people's pain points. And I'm like, what about the joy points? What about those moments that were so fulfilling, not just the result that you got, but the whole process? Like what was what was enjoyable about that experience. So if I was to have someone like look back on their you know life and try to figure out what's next, I would be like, well, what were the joy points? What were the points that gave you the most fulfillment? And let's start there and figure out where there are patterns and then dive into those. Like pain is easy to identify. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you, you know, we're, we're wired to get away from it. And in fact, when we look at the, the two motivators are really just pleasure and pain, and we're wired to avoid right. pain more than we are to seek pleasure. Right. Uh, you know, it's just survival. And so it's easy to think about pain points. I hate this. That sucks. You know, I want to solve that, get right. that fixed in my life. And then there's like this middle ground of, well, I'm not in pain, so it must be okay. But that's very, right. very different from this is a moment of joy. Yeah. And and I thought what you were saying was interesting, you know, that it's probably, you probably haven't recorded that and put it on Instagram or social media because that would break the flow of joy to, you know, get yeah. your phone out, get your camera out. You're, you, you lose that in the momentness. How can people get more of that in the momentness, more of that, I guess, flow state is what I would think of it as. Yeah, there's um it's interesting. There's um when you study positive psychology and you can even just look this up um if you type positive psychology and flow, actually let me even like pull that up. There is a professor that like dove into the whole fascinating flow state and um like there are specific aspects that you can um look for. Let me see if I can pull up some of it here. Um yeah, um, it's a hard it's hard to say his his name, so I won't butcher it. Um, but uh, yeah, he talks about how there are like nine different aspects for like tapping into your flow, and there are challenge and skill balance. There's action awareness merging. There's clear goals. There's unambiguous feedback. There's a sense of control. There's concentration of the task at end, loss of self-consciousness, you know, transformation of time. Like there's all these different pieces, but I think probably the best way in which to approach it is like, well, when was the last time you were in a flow state? And what were the aspects for you that, that showed up? Like, you know, was it when you were traveling? Was it when you were hiking? Was it when you were working out? Was it, you know, and, and the same thing goes with play. Like when was the last time you played where you literally forgot about time? Um, uh, what is it? Um, Gay Hendricks talks a lot about this, about how there is, um, there are these various zones. You have this zone of incompetence, then you have this zone of competence, um, 
which a lot of people just stay into. And then there's zone of excellence where people do stuff that they're really good at and they like the praise for doing it, but they don't really enjoy it. They just like the praise. And then there's zone of genius. And that's the part that you want to figure out. It's just like when have in the past, have you been doing a certain act and you literally forget about time or you can do this for hours on end and you're just, you're just fully there. You know, and it's in an action sort of way, not like oh, well, I watch a lot of TV. I binge watch. Is that is that a zone of genius? No, like stuff where you're actually creating um, and find the um, aspects that got you there and explore that and then try to recreate that. Um, don't force it because you can't force flow, but you find those aspects in order to dive into it. OK, a l- little bit of irony there then, Jeff, you know, we pursuing it but we can't pursue it um yes yeah Yeah. i think what you do is you put yourself in the in the um in the place for it to potentially show up so if you're like well i love to write well then write you know and then at some point maybe it'll pop up i love to a friend of mine she loves to draw and she's like you know this fun hr person so she just started sketching all of the issues she has with HR and now she does that for a living where she addresses HR issues while also drawing. Like, you know, like you, you find it by playing. So just play and, and keep playing with it and experiment and see what comes up for you. That's what I would strongly recommend. Well, I'm going to shift gears on you here a little bit, Jeff, um, because there's just so many topics I want to try and get in as many as we can here. And yeah, in yeah. this, this may be a little bit of a ridiculous idea, but there is this idea. My, my wife has this idea of what she calls the, you know, living the dream syndrome. And it's basically just that any dream job has its downsides. You know, that most, Absolutely. most people don't see or understand. And so I'm trying to imagine, you know, so what do you do when, when you go home as like, oh man, that day was so terrible. And everyone around you like, you got paid to play with Lego. What are you talking about? Yeah. And, you, you yeah. know, so what, what, what is that living the dream part for your job? Or maybe another way of asking that is, what is it that you wish people really knew about your job? Um, well, it's not always play, right? Like if I'm trying to set up uh, events with a lot of companies and conferences, there's a lot of rejection. You know, there's a lot of like opportunities that you were like, oh, if only we could have done that. Um, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters once asked us to build a Lego rim and they were going to dunk on it and destroy it. Um, and I was like, this is going to be amazing. And then they were like, we can't, we don't want to do it anymore. And I was like, no, like, you know, so you get rejected all the time. Um, and I don't think people see that as part of like the grind. But if, if um, what keeps me going during those parts is like, you know, for every five opportunities we don't get, you know, there's one like really amazing opportunity that we do. Um, and I think what I love is I love the brainstorming aspect of like, okay, this is just an idea. And then now you see it come to fruition like six months later and you're like, I, you know, it's just like, it's just it's so awesome. So I think that part is, is tough is, is the rejection. Um, and the, you know, the grind of just putting yourself out there over and over again. 
Well, there aren't too many people who can say they've been rejected by the Harlem Globetrotters. And so that sure. in itself is pretty cool. Uh, well, what is the kind of the favorite or, or some of the favorite things that have come together in that vein? Like yeah, the things that really um, excited you most? For, yeah, for my Playwell job, um, we built the world's longest Lego chain to bring awareness to um, a child that had muscular dystrophy. And we had like three elementary schools come out and build it over the span of like, you know, 10 hours. And it was partly sponsored by FedEx and press came out and AJ plus covered it and it was dope. It was this really inspiring, powerful event. Um, you know, and all we had to do was provide the Lego and the guidance, um, for, uh, AWS reInvent Amazon web services. We've now worked with them. They do this huge conference where they, like 35,000 people descend on Vegas. Um, and we built, you know, one of the largest Lego ball contraption machines ever in Vegas. Um, and we've done that for the last two years, uh, with them. And before that we did another play activation with that. Um, and just watching like grown adults building this huge contraption over three days while also going to their workshops, was just like super satisfying to see because when they came to our place, they came to play, you know, so they were able to drop the veneer and not that wouldn't have to be professional and just got to like connect and build and hang out. Um, and that was just amazing to be able to provide in a space like that. Um, yeah, there are a few others I could just keep going, but yeah, those are the two that pop up for me. All right. Well, uh, switching gears again a little bit, and you had uh, posed an idea around claiming who you are versus chasing your worth. What What is yeah. that idea about? I'm intrigued. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that I coach a lot about um, when I'm doing my play coaching. And I heard it at a, ironically enough, work human, the HR conference, where mm -hmm. Viola Davis was there. And if people know who Viola Davis is, she's just this phenomenal actress that I think won every, every award an actress could win. Um, but she also came from a very rough childhood. Um, and she said at one point, which just shook me to my core is, is you either claim who you are or you chase your worth for the rest of your life. And that just, for me, just like encompassed like everything about life, just right there. Like, at least in the first world, you know, others like people have to struggles with, you know, just surviving. But the, the fact that in the first world, we get an option to choose what we get to do every day is really amazing. And then it's just like, well, you have the option to choose what you want to do today. What are you going to do? Are you going to do what others want you to do? Or are you going to do what you want to do? And this whole idea of claiming who you are and really understanding, like, what do I want? You know, how do I want to show up? How do I want to show up at this meeting? How do I want to show up at this job? Do I even want to work at this job anymore? Do I want to do something else? Like, am I listening to that piece of me that is just like, we should, we should, can do more. We can be more, you know, we're playing very small. Are you listening to that voice or are you instead chasing your worth, which means like, are you pursuing what other people think is success? Whether that's monetary success, whether that is like, you know, uh, positions like moving up the ladder at a certain company. Um, 
you know, like, who are you trying to please? Are you still trying to please your parents? You know, even though like that, that, that stuff's from childhood, or are you really trying to like figure out what it is that I want and actually going all in and pursuing that? Um, that's the question that encompasses, like, I feel like everything. And that happens with every choice you make throughout the day. Well, I don't know if you, you've thought about this, but, but I am curious for someone who is wanting to figure out how to claim who they are, I could imagine getting who you think you should be or who you think you want to be confused with who you think you should be. Like, because if you're talking about pleasing your parents, I mean, that's stuff that was wired in, you know, when you were five years old. Exactly. Right. And, right. and so, and you may not have thought about this, but how do you make the distinction there between, no, I really want this for myself, or I think I really want this for myself, but actually I don't. I think it's, I feel like you feel it more than you like know it, you know? Um, you know, when you're speaking truth, right? You know, when you're speaking, um, for yourself, because like you can, you, you, you're like, you're a little scared to actually share it, but once you reveal it, then you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. Um, and if you don't know who that is for you, I think a really interesting question to ask is going up to your friends and maybe even some of your colleagues and be like, well, what value do I bring? Like, what value do I bring to your life? How do you, how do I bring, what, what's, what do you, what do you like about me? What's, what's awesome about me? And actually hearing that back and people will reflect back to you who you actually already are. And then for yourself, then you can take it and be like, is that how I'm showing up? Is that what I believe? You know, what do I believe about myself? So I think that's something to really explore um, you know, and, and really jotting down like the big decisions that you made in your life. Which ones do you think you did because you wanted to please someone? And which ones do you think you did because you actually wanted to do it? Does that make sense? It does. It does. Uh, well, we are just about out of time here, Jeff. So uh, two last questions for you. One, we're, I mean, you've got a lot going on. You mentioned uh, business and you also do you know, speaking, coaching and a second business. And uh, where can people find you if they're curious, uh, if they want to know more? Yeah, they can find me at rediscoveryourplay.com. Um, and there you can go and there's actually like, I I have this uh, thing you can download where you can actually explore, you know, different types of play to figure out who you are or remind yourself of who you are all over again. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, so last question, how can the listeners help you out? What would your ask be of them? I think what would be fascinating, a fascinating, fun experiment would be um, if you're not playing enough to actually just try, like identify what you'd want to do to play more for like a week and then just see and then try it for a week, just incorporate it, however, whatever that shows up for you. And then let and then let me know, like you can find me at Jeff Harry plays at, on Instagram and tag me at Jeff Harry plays on Instagram or Twitter. Because I feel like when people are at least exploring their play, it brings more fulfillment and happiness in their life. But they don't believe it until they try it. So try it and then let me know what results you get. 
Nice. Well, Jeff, this has been fantastic. I really enjoyed this conversation. And we started with a little ballpark theme. We'll end with a little ballpark theme. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jeff. That's all. I love it.